Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're here today with Greg Feller. He is the president of Mogo. You're a neobank or a digital challenger bank. Is that the way you describe yourself? Uh, yeah, that, there are a lot of terms in the industry that are being used here. But mm. um, yeah, broadly, we are, we are effectively building a next-gen digital banking platform, very focused on millennials uh, in Canada. Right, okay, that's the first thing to say. You're Canadian focused at the moment. You're yeah. listed on the TSXV. Yep. Or no, TSX, TSX and uh, NASDAQ. Fantastic, okay. So you're, you originally set this up yep. to target millennials. Right. So let's talk about that. So what was the plan? What was going on in the head when you mm-hmm. set this up? And give us a bit of your background to sure. uh, explain. So actually the company was uh, started 16 years ago uh, by my identical twin brother. Uh, in Vancouver, which is where we're headquartered. Mm. And um, I was a co-founder, but I was a banker on Wall Street for 16 years. So I spent 16 years as a technology banker, Goldman Sachs uh, and and Lehman Brothers most of that time, Silicon Valley, New York, and London. Uh, I joined the company about eight years ago when the whole fintech space was taking off uh, to really help raise the company, uh, raise capital for the company, take the company public in Toronto. Uh, And um, really this is, Mogo is really one of the original um, fintechs globally. Uh, very, very few, if any, have been around as long as we have. Right. So, w- what I'm interested in is um, what was the plan? Mm-hmm. So, what were you thinking? So, what, what problem were you trying to solve? Sure. So, th- this was very early days of, uh, of the internet, and yeah. um, uh, people, we started off in lending. Um, and it was still a, a, a big challenge to get a loan, uh, a lot of paperwork in person. Uh, and big, big challenge for who? For, for consumers. For consumers to get a loan to was a lot all of work. consumers? Yeah, I mean, you had to go into a bank and it was a long uh, process and normally you had to go back and forth multiple mm. times. Uh, and increasingly things were being done on the internet that were faster and easier. Uh, and our view is that money in a lot of ways is the ultimate digital product in the sense that you really shouldn't have to, to physically go in anywhere. Uh, and so we wanted to, to really bring convenience to, to lending, bring it online right. initially. Uh, and, and we've gone from an online lender into a broad mobile uh, uh, financial solutions right. for consumers. And so you're, I mean, we talk about millennial yeah. in, in here, and that's yeah. kind of remember the conversation mm-hmm. previously, because you know, we talked about right. two, three years ago. It, that was the target audience, That's right? right. Because, the, yeah. because why? Because they are slightly... Well, the millennials are, are more digitally minded. Um, right. And so, I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you sort of step back, you say, look, if you, if you look at where we are in terms of um, uh, whether it's buying on Amazon or everything that we do increasingly is all through a mobile phone, banking um, uh, really is sort of one of the, the last major industries to go through digital transformation. Um, and millennials want it as easy as any other product, whether it's an Uber product or anything else, they want their financial services as easy, mobile first solution. But they're also looking, we believe, for better solutions than traditional banking products. Right, so we should stop, maybe I'll stop using the first yeah. uh, millennial and we'll yeah. start talking about digitally literate yeah. audiences. Sure. Okay, so you started with lending. Mm-hmm because there was a problem there yep. and the business grew, yeah. presumably, yeah. and you started coming out with new services based yeah. on what your customers were telling you? I mean, how, how did you develop so, that? Yeah, so, so if you look at it, banks have really been about, um, we believe, giving products, developing products that ultimately make them a lot of money. 
Okay. Right. Um, and, and traditional finance, consumer finance, has been a black box for most consumers. Most consumers don't actually understand how to manage their finances. Mm -hmm. They turn it over to an advisor or they go to the bank and ask for help. Um, and in a digital world and in a transparent world that we're in, we believe that's totally changing. We want to be on the leading edge. So that inclu includes things like we were the first in Canada to give consumers their credit score. The credit score was a black box that the bank knew about, they didn't mm -hmm. know about. Um, uh, and they were making fundamental decisions on whether to lend or not and at what rate to lend to them. Yeah. We were the first in Canada to say, actually, here is your credit score and, it, and, and here's what your credit score even means. And by the way, here's what drives your credit score. As an example, if you went to a bank to open up a bank account, they immediately did what's called a hard check on your bureau and your credit score went down. Mm. And they didn't even give you your credit Just score. by checking. Just by checking. And the, right. the theory is, is the more that you're out there talking to financial institutions, the more it's likely that you're shopping for credit, the more risky you are, right? So that algorithm isn't necessarily accurate. Exactly. But it, it was there. But it was there okay. and the consumers weren't aware of it. So the reality is the difference between being a prime and a non-prime consumer, which is driven, which is reflecting your credit score, can mm -hmm. cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in additional interest expense. So how do we make sure a millennial coming out of college mm -hmm. is aware of even their credit score? How do we make uh, sure that they, they understand the difference between being a prime and a subprime? Um, how do we get them smart right out of the gate so they're making smarter financial decisions um, including, and we're moving increasingly into saving and investing as well. Another great example, um, you know, I, it took me 10 years before I started savings because I thought I didn't have enough money to move the needle. Mm. The reality is, if you just put $300 a month aside in a tax-sheltered plan, over 40 years you can get to over a million dollars depending on the return. Um, and just educating the consumer up front, making them aware of it, making it easier, uh, will allow them to start making smarter financial okay, decisions. Let's, let's, let's come back a bit yeah. because I'm, I'm interested in the kind of first to market with the credit score okay. component. Yeah. And most people wouldn't have known it existed because it was right. a, it was a institutional yep. uh, product. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to tell people that it was important to know about credit? Why should they care about their credit score? Mm -hmm. Don't they just go about their lives? And right. if the institutions wanted to check up, they could. Why, why well, do you think people needed to be, do this? Because, as I say, fundamentally, A, the institutions are making decisions. Should I give you a mortgage or not based on credit score? Right. Um, and if you, if you get a bad credit score mm. for reasons you don't even know about, um, you you, your actual right. cost, as I say, the cost of being a non-prime consumer over your lifetime could be hundreds of thousands of dollars of additional interest expense on something as significantly as getting a home. Right. So the truth is, is you should know about it. You should know what drives it. Right. You should understand it and you should, you need to monitor it. By the way, your credit score is your first line of defense in uh, ID fraud detection, right? Um, uh, basically, increasingly, as we say, it is a certainty that all of our IDs are going to be stolen. The question is, you have to stop somebody from using your credit right. to go get a loan or mortgage in your name, and this is the first line of defense on something as important okay. as that. So the important thing that what I'm trying to get at yeah. is, you know, you've come up with a product to help educate right. an audience who is financially illiterate. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe a bit too strong, but yeah. you know, perhaps a little bit carefree with, yeah. with, with some of those. Or things. just not aware, right? Because right. nobody's teaching it. It's not something that's actually taught. Right. But today, yeah. that's prevalent. Lots yes. of people offer credits, offer credit scores. Yeah. You can get them online. You, right. you pay a little bit of money and you get access. Right. Or your banks yeah. will give them to you for free. So yeah. you were first to market. Right. Raised your awareness, I imagine. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that was great. Mm -hmm. 
but then everyone, everyone else started catching up. Like, yep. you know, banks are catching sure. up digitally Absolutely. now. So Absolutely. you always have to stay ahead. How are you doing yeah. that? So we've, uh, we, we continue to launch products, first of all, that are mobile first, all within the mobile app, mm -hmm. and, and, and great digital user experience, and we believe that are innovative, that help the consumers that, in a way, banks aren't. As an example, the next product, uh, uh, the other product we launched was an ID fraud protection product, mm -hmm. which is a monthly, which is a mo real-time monitoring, sends a push notification to your phone mm -hmm. if there's any uh, uh, unusual activity on your bureau. Right. Um, we were the first in Canada to do, do that in a mobile uh, um, uh, uh, setting. So that again, for a digital first world, would be very critical. <clears throat> we also launched uh, um, uh, the easiest and cheapest way to buy and sell Bitcoin uh, okay. in Canada something that the banks aren't offering, and, and the traditional or the new crypto players made it very expensive, mm -hmm. um, uh, and we think weren't educating the consumer, mm -hmm. and we're trying to do it in a smart way um, and make it very easy for millennials to be able to, or anybody to be able yeah. to access that. Yeah. Um, we're right now in the middle of launching our MoGo Spend account. This is basically a, um, it's a prepaid Visa card, so it mm -hmm. acts like a debit card. Right. And it's all about helping consumers control their spending. Mm -hmm. Our entire financial app is built around this concept of financial health or financial wellness. Okay, so which, which we'll talk about. Yeah. I know you've got kind of four key pillars yep. on that, but I just want to stick with the product development okay. for now, because I'm trying to understand the, the type of business mm -hmm. you are, the way that you yeah. uh, and your twin brother yeah. think when driving this forward. So you're kind of first to market with a, with a few products, but mm -hmm. then again, the market catches up and they become sort of commodities. Right. Uh, but a lot of our products, they haven't caught up. So so the, nobody else has our, our, our mobile first, Mogo Protect. Nobody else has that crypto account that we've got. Um, and nobody else is, is presenting these in a way that actually help you get in control of your finances. Right. Um, and in fact, our card uh, with nobody else has our card with our cash back. We also have a direct carbon offset on our card uh, um, that we're launching, and nobody else is doing What's that. that? Nobody else that. actually globally is doing that. So, okay. fundamentally, as you know, as we were talking earlier, we're talking about financial health. There is a financial crisis uh, um, in North America. Fifty-five percent of consumers carry credit card debt. Um, and when they carry credit card debt, yeah. it means that they're not saving. Savings yeah. rate has gone from 20% down to 2% in Canada. Why is that? Well, it's because consumers have increasingly switched their spending to a credit card. Credit cards encourage you to spend more money than you have. And that is really driving this, 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 mm. this issue with consumers having credit card debt and not saving. So our card's all about using your own money because it's a prepaid Visa card. Um, and give you that control, the digital control in the app that you can actually control and be more mindful of your spending. Right, so people the, haven't caught up with you yet on some products. On, on this, yeah, on, on the products or the way we're delivering them all. So right. as an example in this card, so this is about, so this, let's talk about our, our, you know, even the direct impact on the environment. The number one way all of us can actually impact the environment is reduce our consumption, okay? Yep. Fundamentally, consumption is, is, is one of the biggest drivers. 70% of our carbon footprint is based on our consumption. The number one problem with financial health is consumers are overspending, which means they're over-consuming. Mm. So if we actually address that problem and they get their spending in control, by the way, they're having a direct impact on the yep. environment as well. What we've also done is we've added a direct carbon offset on our card. So all of your spending that you actually do to put on our card, yeah. you will have a direct carbon offset okay. on the card. Increasingly, that is where the next generation, millennials in particular, are focused. They are making purchasing decisions today based on environmental impact. Right? Are they? 
Absolutely. They are abandoning fast fashion companies like like a Uniqlo or a Zara's because 75% of their, their products winding up in a landfill, well, yeah. as an example. Okay, but those companies still exist and they still manage to churn out. So, so it's a case of certain audiences may uh, you know, have well, those characteristic traits, well, surely. So do you yeah. know who you're going after? So, so I guess here's what I would say. As a whole, millennials absolutely are, are now starting to pick brands yeah. that they believe are doing good in the world, okay? And they're moving away from brands that they believe are doing bad. Two weeks ago, big protest by millennials against Federer because Credit Suisse is sponsoring him and they're funding you know, hydrocarbon companies. So that is a very real issue today, number one. And we believe this is a lot more than just doing good for the environment. It's actually fundamentally where the economics of the business are going. I would love to see those things married up because yeah. I, I, you know, we've also talked to other CEOs about yeah. protests all around the world with, yeah. with mining companies specifically right. where people are getting to these events and filming these events on materials dug out of the ground. So yeah. I think it's more about the ethical component yeah responsible component, which is what you're thinking yep. with carbon operate, rather, and, and, can, and yeah. the amount we consume. Yeah. And if there are audiences that are more cognizant of that, and more conscious of that, and behave, genuinely right. behave, rather yep. than talk about it, that, that's a good, a good thing. But look, I'm enjoying hearing yep. the fact that you're innovative and right. setting the bar by which other, other right. people uh, you know, you know, strive for. You know, the, you, you're something to aim for. Right. So that's that's great. So yeah. it gives us a sense of the type of company that you are. Right. But it's it's out of necessity, right? Because you've got the big institutional banks. Mm -hmm. They p people are, there's a lot of inertia. People can't be bothered yeah. once they sign up. They can't be bothered moving, and they're there for life. So to attract them, you've got to do more and more. Right. Not necessarily out outlandish, but interesting things which kind of capture the imagination. And that mm -hmm. seems to be what you're doing. Yeah. Can you keep it going? Um, yeah, I mean, look, we've been doing this now for, for over 15 years. Uh, we just announced the, the card uh, literally uh, last week, so mm -hmm. that, that's brand new. Um, and we've got a whole, whole number of other uh, developments on, on the horizon. Mm -hmm. um, we believe we're very early days. We have a, we're approaching a million members in Canada. We're signing up wow. between 50 to 20,000 new members a month. Uh, so, you know, we so believe... What's the, what's the adult population of Canada? Well, the total population is about 30, 37, Three, 37, 37 million. So, I mean, over 20 million. Um, you know, the biggest banks in Canada have over 10 million um, accounts. Well, that's right? what I'm getting to. It's yeah. like, you, you're going to sign these guys up. Yeah. And uh, again, I want to get onto that in sequence, but, I, yeah. but let, uh, which we should, because I'm trying to work out the value sure. of each of those. Because yeah. that's a conversation we should have. Because right. signing subscribers up and members yeah. up and then being inactive sure. doesn't count for much, right? right? So, but let's, before we get there, yeah. let's talk about these kind of four health checks, financial yeah. health checks right. that you have. Um, well, I guess you've got it running throughout your so, organization. Yeah, so, so. yeah, so basically we've distilled um, uh, uh, financial health down to four fundamental habits. Okay. Monitor and protect. Monitor your credit score, protect your ID from fraud. Okay. We have two products that address that. Right. Number two, control your spending. The key to savings starts with controlling your spending, right? The key to not becoming a subprime customer starts with controlling your spending. 
95% of all subprime consumers are there because they overspent on a credit card. How right? do you do that without sounding like my dad? Well, you, with, with our, digital, uh, our new digital spending uh, account, which is a prepaid Visa card, studies show that you spend significantly less if you're using your own money. Being more mindful and aware of your spending, you automatically are in more control. So our card is a not a credit card, which mm -hmm. encourages overspending. You load your own money on it, and we have a digital, the, the account works in a digital way to give you a real-time view of your balance, okay. your cash back, and spending control, okay? And it's done on a, on a real-time constant like basis. By category. Well, not by category, but just as, as simple as, you know, when I was in college, I had cash in my pocket, and I budgeted because I would literally pull out $40 of cash and say, I'm not gonna have more money in my account till Monday, so I can't go out for dinner tonight. Yeah. As soon as I switch to a credit card, I never have to think about it. But with our card, it brings that kind of functionality of, mm. hey, I see I have $500 left in my account, and I know I'm not putting more money on until a week from now, I'm gonna actually not go out for that expensive dinner tonight. Is there, that, is there a kind of learning curve there? Because I mean, I like that in theory, but yeah. I tell you, you and I are very different students, because yeah. I definitely overspent. <laughs> so right. how do you, do that in a way, like we said, which doesn't right. sound authoritarian or well, get into the ethics. Yeah, of so we're trying spending. to make it fun and engaging. So right. obviously, by the way, we're adding a cash back component on it, and it's a real time. At the end of every month, we deposit that money in your account. Mm. Um, um, you know, we have this carbon offset. So, and we have these money classes built inside the app that mm. help educate you. Okay. So again, the first product. Do I people watch those? It, well, it's, it, it, they're actually just interactive, very easy to sort of. But click, you must have numbers. Click, Are people lost people? Yeah. Well, we just launched those, but but actually, we're getting very good feedback okay. on it. Fundamentally, as I say, consumers actually don't understand how to control their finances, and they're just not. They and nobody's really educated them. Right. So when I came out of college, the first car, bank product I got was a credit card with a seven thousand dollar available balance on it. What did I do? I thought it was like free money, and I spent it. Yeah. You know, our the next generation, okay, are are coming out. So um, my brother's son, his first card coming out of college is our MoGo prepaid Visa card. Mm -hmm. So he's ne he's always in control. He's always aware of his spending. He knows he knows what his credit score is. He knows right. he wants to keep it prime. So he's just educated upfront, and he's making smarter decisions. Okay. Same thing. He now knows that if I put three hundred dollars a month aside, power of compounding, I could have a million dollars after forty years in savings. So he's starting to save as well. So okay. you make them smarter up front, you make it easy for them to make smarter decisions, right. and people will actually start, where, where's start the fun doing bit? it. You said you're gonna make it fun. Well, fun and engaging. I mean, we've got like a credit score. If you get over 800, we, say, fun. we say you're a rock star. So we have this contest, okay. the rock star okay. contest. And so, and our app is kind of very cool and engaging. Okay. Um, and so we're trying to make it cool and fun mm -hmm. to get in control. Fundamentally, we've lived in a world where it's cool to overspend Yep. Okay, and have the latest running shoes. But the reality is we actually think we're entering into a world where increasingly people are gonna be saying, hey, wait a minute, um, do you need those extra pair of running shoes? Why are you buying yeah. that, right? People okay. are becoming more conscious of their so consumption. You're trying to help them be more responsible consumers. More responsible consumers, but, but, but it directly feeds into their own financial health too. Because if you're more responsible yeah. and you're, you're effectively living a more sustainable financial lifestyle, yeah. okay, which by the way has a direct impact and benefit on the, on the environment as well. But the point is, is you have to link the two because people aren't just going to do it for one piece of it, but we believe they will do it if they actually have financial benefits yeah. and other environmental so, benefits. So who are you targeting? I, I know we talk about millennials yeah. a lot and it's not. It's digitally yeah. literate people, right? But 
the more I listen to you, yeah. the more I'm sold and getting them out for right. my kids. Yes. Right? Right. Not necessarily for me, because yeah, yeah. I'm past that now. But right. Is that, is that the line of attack? Would you go direct well, or do you do so all of the above? We, our brand is a very millennial focused brand, um, which is a very differentiated brand from any of the banks in Canada. But as we say, millennial focused brand actually appeals to a broader demographic, right? Mm. The digitally minded, which can include people that are older than millennials. The mm. truth is, Two thirds of our members are millennials, a third are older than millennials. Okay. Um, and as you say, older people are actually thinking, oh, wait a minute, I want to get this for my kids as okay. well. So there's a, it's a, it actually skews to a broader demographic. Okay. That is one, two, and three. Yeah. And the fourth one is? Um, uh, well, there is borrow responsibly is the, is the third. So oh, sorry, access to credit still matters. Credit cards, the problem is it's not responsible credit. You make the minimum payment on your credit card, it'll take you 80 years to pay it off, and a lot of consumers only make the minimum payment. You're right. way better off having an amortizing loan, so we give you access to loans. Okay. So you're not, you're not saying you shouldn't borrow. You can borrow, At, and you've got products for that? Yes. Right. We have, but, we have loan products for that. Yep. But you are helping them be, again, responsible in what happens Yeah, our view borrow. is if you need a loan, make it a smart loan. Make it an amortizing loan, right? right? So it pays off, and you will know that it's going to be paid <coughs> off over a certain period of time. By the way, if you're making, th like, if you show up on our doorstep and you have credit card debt, and we re refinance it and give you a consolidation loan that pays it off over three years, yeah. and you're paying $300 a month, we'll say, hey, at the end of that three years, we'll say, hey, you're coming up to your maturity on your loan and you'll be paid off. Mm. Let's now take that 300 a month that you've been paying on a regular basis and let's actually start investing that. So how do we take that same habit of allocating 300 a month okay. and turn that into you know, paying off debt to now investing? I like that, okay. And then, and then the last is save and invest wisely. So our plan there is to bring in through partnerships, that's part of our model, mm -hmm. savings and investing options for our members right inside the MoGo account, make it super easy. As an example, with let's say you're using your card for your mm -hmm. spend and you're getting $60 a month cash back. We'll say, hey, why don't you take that $60 a month cash back and start putting it into this investment fund and educate you that at $300 a month you could be on track to retiring as a millionaire. And maybe the only investment you're starting right now is just the cash back. You're not putting any else aside. Okay. But over time, we start sending you notices. Hey, do you want to move that 60 to 100? So how do we make it easy for you to, again, start to make smarter decisions? Right. Okay. Um, understood. Yeah. Nice and simple. You've got products for the full breadth right. of those four financial yep. health checks, as yep. it were. Right. And people can look it up. We'll put right. the PowerPoint link up on the on the video as well. Because um, and, and, I just want to get on to the next thing, okay. which is what we talked about earlier. Okay, you've got nearly I read nine hundred twenty five thousand, nine hundred fifty thousand. What are they subscribers or members? Members. What do you call them? members. members. Okay. Yeah. What do you need to do or be to be a member, and how do you value that? So you have to open up an account. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, which means we have your whole bunch of your information, okay? Um, and, and we also have your credit bureau. Um, so this is more like opening up a bank account than, mm -hmm. you know, this is not an email address, right? right? So we have a lot of very valuable data. We are not selling any of that data. Um, our plan is instead to monetize those customers by offering them our own products that we believe can help them. Right. This is a freemium model. So in a freemium model, you're never going to monetize 100% of your members. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but those that decide you offer, you offer value and utility, they mm -hmm. will start actually accessing your products. Right. So we started off with loans. We added on free credit score. So if you showed up and you got a free credit score and you didn't need a loan, we had no way to monetize you. 
But now that we've brought on products like Mogul Protect, which is a monthly fraud detection, which mm -hmm. we charge $9 a month for, that's a subscription product. Um, we're adding on a broader breadth of loan products through partnership. So mm -hmm. we're increasingly moving all of our lending off balance sheet. Yep. Um, we have a mortgage product um, and we're going to be bringing in an investing product Then we've got our card product. So increasingly okay. we have more ways to monetize our members within the Mogul account. Nice. Okay. Right. So you've got quite a breadth there, including yep. mortgages. That yes. must be, I mean, can you break that down in terms of where the revenue. value and revenue is for you? So today, 50% um, uh, of our revenue is coming from on balance sheet lending. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, although we're no longer growing that portion because we've signaled to the market that we're going to be moving all off balance sheet, and I can walk you through what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, the other 50% is is our subscription services revenue. So that's everything from I'm paying a monthly fee for my Mogo Protect. I'm getting a mortgage, and Mogo gets an origination fee. We have no credit risk in that. Um, uh, or I'm using, you know, the Mogo card, okay. and we have interchange revenue on. Okay, that I wondered where example. the mortgage component sets. That's a, a white label so, solution. Yeah, so we're, we effectively are a broker, right? Okay, okay. Um, but we we provide a digital experience right inside the Mogo account to get a mortgage. But we are a broker; it's funded through the banks. We have no credit risk ourselves. Okay, so let's get to the money bit because that's why okay. investors watch the show. Um, you have been well, apart from sort of a small a peak in the beginning yeah. of 2018, bumping along. Right. Give or take 100 million bucks, yep. right? So market cap, yeah. Market cap, yep. yeah. Sorry, not a lot of growth. Yeah. Okay. So no, you, not a lot of growth in. Well, it well in the share price, yeah, share yeah. price yeah. right? And or market cap. Yeah. So I appreciate you've done yeah, yeah. a lot and you've right. spent a lot. Yeah. Right. So you, I read yeah. you spent 200 million bucks on creating products right. or, and building this thing, right? So yeah. you spent a lot of money. Yeah. But twice the market cap. Yeah. Okay. So. Where's the growth coming from? You're Canadian only. Yeah. If I look at some of the multiples here in the UK, yeah. they are you know you know significantly higher yeah. than the multiples that you're seeing. Right. Why is that? What can you do about it? And sure. you know, what's that going to cost you? Right. So yeah, I mean, I look. I, I think you're referring to the private fintechs like mm. the Monzos, the Revoluts of the world, which are are you know you can think of Mogo as a Monzo of Canada. Um, but these private players have the benefit of being private, where they haven't been held accountable on their economics. Um, right. uh, as an example, you know, Monzo's got a two billion dollar valuation, and we believe we have more revenue than Monzo does. Yeah. Um, uh, so. You know, public company, they are valued differently. Um, uh, our, our challenge as a public company, we believe from an investor perspective and a stock market perspective has been that we started as a lending business, an on-balance sheet lending business. Mm -hmm. On-balance sheet lending doesn't get that fintech multiple, um, uh, but we've been transitioning away from that. Right. And I think it's investors starting to understand that transition where we're gonna start to see um, an increasing move from MoGo really being valued more along the lines of the other public fintechs, players like Square and that. As an example, when we went public five years ago, 100% of our revenue was lending. Today it's 50%, okay? Um, we've told the market that lending is no longer gonna be a growth product for us and that we've announced last quarter yeah. that we're moving to a partnership model to right. take that off balance sheet. How we, long does that take? So we announced a pilot program with the largest non-prime lender in Canada. Mm. Uh, and um, the way that'll work is when a consumer comes to MoGo, we'll say you're approved for a loan powered by XYZ consumer finance company mm -hmm. or XYZ bank. They pay us an upfront origination fee 
and then they pay as an ongoing platform fee. Okay. okay. And so we effectively are going to be turning our on-balance sheet interest revenue yeah. into off-balance sheet recurring fee-based well, revenue. Right. Um, we expect to uh, um, move that into a long-term partnership. Uh, uh, and that announcement, um, uh, people are speculating that it'll be sometime in the next quarter. Um, and I think once investors start to see that this pilot's moving to a long-term agreement, um, and this move, this shift to off-balance sheet is really starting to happen. Right. I believe we're going to start to, you know, get credit for that in the in the market. That's one catalyst. Yes. Yes. What else is there? So the other catalyst is we just announced this card. Um, uh, we haven't actually launched it to the public yet. It's in beta. Mm-hmm. That's going to start to roll out to our members later this quarter, mm-hmm. and then to the broader public uh, probably early in Q Q two. Right. That's another big one, especially with this whole conversation on the environment. We're getting a lot of PR pickup on that, and we think that's going to be a really exciting product for our members and for, quite frankly, all Canadians. Nobody else has a product like that. We also plan to launch and announce a prime partner um, on our platform. So today we have a non-prime partner on the loans. Mm-hmm. We plan to have a prime partner that will be a, a, a probably a bank in Canada. Uh, we expect to to announce that uh, probably in the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are working on partnerships to bring investment options into the Mogo account, including a savings account. Um, also partnerships that we're working on uh, this year. So. We've got a lot going on, Um, uh, and I think as the market starts to see all of these things happening, they're going to start to understand that this is not the on-balance sheet lender that went public several years ago. This is very much a broad and diversified consumer fintech platform with a leadership position in Canada. Great. Keep it simple for retail audience here. You've got nearly, let's say it's nearly a million bucks, a million uh, members. members. Okay. You currently monetize them in varying so right, degrees. Right, our average revenue. How do you per drive member, the average revenue? So our average up. revenue per member today is about seventy dollars. Okay, um, across our our just over nine hundred thousand members. So we're just under seventy million dollars uh, run rate of revenue today. Mm-hmm. The average revenue per member of the average credit union in Canada. So it's going to be clear. That's over the lifetime, or is that per, per year? year? Per Got year. It. Okay. Per year. The average revenue per member yeah. of the average credit union or regional bank in Canada is $1,300. We're at $70, they're at $1,300. Okay. As we continue to add on these products right, that increase the potential share wallet that we can have from these members, yeah. we believe over the next five years, we can get to $150 to $200 of revenue per member per year. We also believe we can grow our member base over the next five years to two to three million members. right? Um, so you know now you're talking about a three to six hundred million dollar revenue business how in five do, years. How, wh- yeah. When you say you say these things, yeah. but you know, how, how do you do that? Two to three from one is a big shift in five years. Right. So so first of all, that? as I said, we're you know we've been growing our member base right now. Uh, um, you know, uh, over thirty percent a year. Okay. Um, and that is without products like the card, which right. we believe has a much broader. Uh, um, demographic appeal, right? Okay. So we're entering into products that we actually believe appeal to a much wider audience in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as an example, some of the biggest banks in Canada have over 10 million accounts, okay, just to give you a sense. ING Direct, a lot of your viewers may remember them. They were the first online bank in Canada. 
uh, or globally actually. They started in Canada. Mm -hmm. They built the Canadian business to 1.8 million members and then Scotiabank acquired that business for about three and a half billion, just the Canadian business. Mm -hmm. So we believe there is a multi-billion dollar opportunity for Mogo in Canada. How do we continue to execute on that? We have a, um, a marketing partnership with the largest news media company mm -hmm. in Canada that gets us $50 million of marketing spend a year for only $2 million of cash a year, okay? Because we gave them warrants in our company. Mm. So we are acquiring our members today for about $20 per member. That same member, on an average, we're, we're generating mm -hmm. over $70 of revenue per member okay. per year. Mm -hmm. So we believe we have one of the lowest, if not the lowest, customer acquisition costs in Canada. At scale, we're signing up 50 to 20,000 new members a month today. Um, uh, and we're in continuing to increase our product set Mm -hmm. that we believe will allow us to drive higher average revenue per member you know, over the next several so do you, years. So you don't have any retention issues because people don't use you. Do they stay on the database? They get counted? Or yeah, if they do don't use say, us in the next over the 12 months, they're, they're, they're no longer counted as a member. So they've been falling away. Or I don't know what yeah. the churn rate is, but we'll do we have mil, mil, Middle single digit uh, uh, churn a quarter um, uh, uh, right right now. Okay. The card, the idea with the card is the card is really drives daily user engagement because if this becomes your everyday right. card, you're engaging with the app every day. And then that's when you have an we have an opportunity to start monetizing you and all our other products that we've got in the on the account. Right. Okay. So it's a little bit of churn, but you're picking up with this with this media group. You're picking yeah, the, up relatively the, inexpensive. The, the net growth that I that that thirty percent over thirty percent. That's a net number. Of, okay. That that's a net net of churn. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um. So you, so let's let's stick on the money sure. side of things. So you're saying you the, the private guys are seeing different types of multiples because they're private, they're yeah. not, they haven't got the restrictions perhaps that you have. But you've also, you've also got the restriction of it's Canada, it's maybe 20 yeah. million adults. I guess there's new adults or new, right. uh, the audience that you're targeting yeah. coming on board every every year. So there's a bit of, bit of growth there, but it's Canada only. Yeah. Is that a big enough market for you to get well, to scale? I, as, as, as I just you know went through that example, ING Direct, three and a half billion, we're a hundred million dollar market cap today. I think that's massive growth opportunity okay. for any company. I mean, these FinTechs here are getting two to three billion dollar private valuations mm. for them to see that kind of growth here, they'd have to turn into one of the largest banks in the world. Um, we believe we have a much stronger path to what we're doing in Canada uh, um, than, than investors are gonna see with some of these, these other players. The other key is competition. In the US there are 4,000 FinTechs battling it out. So yes, you may say that it's a bigger market, but you've got 4,000 players. In Canada, there's really only two players, us and one other player, mm -hmm. that has raised a substantial amount of capital. Um, and capital is a massive barrier to entry. So you mentioned earlier we've invested 200 million in the platform. Um, you know, uh, we think that's a massive barrier to entry. And we've got now approaching a million members, and we've got a, a product suite that has six products. Um, and we've got on top of that 200 million, a marketing partnership that you know over the next or over the last several years, we've invested over a couple hundred million dollars in the brand in Mogo in Canada. Um, so we think we've got a leadership position mm -hmm. in a market that we have an opportunity to build a multi-billion-dollar business um, uh, with with very little competition. So we feel very good about the the the, the upside opportunity for us. Um, so people over here hearing this story for the yeah. first time, I mean, how would they, if they wanted to, right. invest in Mogo? Yeah. Can they? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, unlike the, the, the private players we talked about here, like Monzo and Revolut, 
Um, Mogo is a public, uh, publicly traded company on the Toronto Stock Exchange, uh, but we also are listed on NASDAQ as well. Um, Toronto is our primary exchange, so the, mm. there's more volume there, but um, uh, you know, investors can either buy on either exchange. Okay. I mean, you're, you're also here in the UK yeah. meeting a few people. I mean, do you have sort of ongoing discussions with institutional investors or what's the purpose um, of the visit? So, so look, we, um, you know, there is a broader global fintech adoption trend and increasingly you're seeing um, investors globally look to invest in that sector. Uh, we think we have a very unique value proposition leadership leadership position in in it with a massive market opportunity um, uh, and clearly for us right now it's about getting the word out um, making people aware of mogo uh, we we believe we continue to be one of the innovators in the space globally mm-hmm. um, and a unique opportunity for for investors we um, as management uh, myself and and our family own about 20 percent of the equity uh, we've never sold a single share so we are very much aligned uh, with mm-hmm. our equity investors mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, so we think it's a, it's, it's a great opportunity. Greg, great summary, great, great summary, really Thank enjoyed you. that. You've got a lot going yeah. on, a few catalysts, imminent catalysts yep. and let's hope those have the effect that you um, you hope uh, and we look forward to staying in touch great. with you and keeping, keeping abreast of the story. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.